Welcome to Brand Safety Exchange, where you will hear unique perspectives from experts and leaders within the world of brand and user safety. Brand Safety Exchange is hosted by Oasis Consortium, a think tank to unite stakeholders and create actionable, measurable standards for the protection of online brand safety. Each episode contains a deep discussion into a specific topic, providing listeners with valuable insight into the evolving problems, solutions, and market forces that influence brand and user safety every day. I'm your host, Tiffany, GM and co-founder of Oasis. Today, I'm so happy to have my wonderful friend, Lan Fen, CEO and founder of Community of Seven to join today's session. Welcome, Lan Fen. Hello, Tiffany. So excited to be here. <laughs> yeah. Well, you have a crazy background. I want to dedicate this whole session actually to be a masterclass of community building. And do you want to start with just tell us about your background? Sure. So um, in terms of my background, my parents are Vietnamese refugees. And um, as a kid, I've always said that I was looking for community since I was in the womb. So my family of five um, were able to escape war-torn Vietnam because an American family um, sponsored us in San Francisco. We basically left, escaped Vietnam with the clothes on our backs. And um, it was the, the churches that fed us. We were able to flourish because the community came together to support us. So this whole notion of people coming together to help one another has been in my DNA since a very early age. So it really was no surprise that building communities has become my passion. And um, I formed my current company, Community of Seven, at the start of the pandemic. And to give you a little bit of context, and I'll rewind it a little bit, I had been recruited by Alan Murray, who's the amazing CEO of Fortune Magazine, to build a startup within Fortune called Fortune Connect. This happened a few months prior to the whole COVID shenanigans. I was given a multi-million dollar budget and was supposed to hire an entire team and go from ideation to launch in six months. Wow. And then COVID happened. <laughs> I was literally hiring for my team and I was at number five in early April. And I found out that because of COVID and the financial impact to the industry and to fortune that I was laid off and that I had to fire my entire team. So I was depressed for six days, literally crying every day. You know, I kind of was spiraling through this kind of depression. On the seventh day, I kind of woke up and I just said, you know what, I have to uh, pull up my big girl panties and um, figure something out. And so on that seventh day, I came up with the idea of community of seven. Um, and there's a kind of a history behind the name, but you know, I'll go into detail on that in, uh, at another day. So I literally came up with the idea and I built the website that same day. For context, the last time I ever built a website was when I was a senior at Stanford University in 1995, which was a long time ago. Back then it was really cutting edge to have created a website in college, <laughs> but I figured it out. So community of seven, is an invite-only community for those looking to really change the world. It's a community of purpose-driven leaders looking to serve the world. And they're leaders who understand that before they can really change the world, it first starts with becoming your best self, physically, mentally, and emotionally. And so Community of Seven is built around three communities, our core communities and micro-learnings, 
really focus on the personal and professional development of our members. But what makes us really unique is that our third community is really focused on purpose-focused initiatives, where our leaders, like you, Tiffany, are really working together to solve really big business and social problems. So Community 7 has really become my passion project of how do we actually bring people together to change the world for the better. So Tiffany, you were actually one of our first founding members and Oasis was kind of one of the first real tangible products that kind of came from these conversations we had about how do you change the world for the better and how do you use your superpowers you know, how do you build and harness your company's Spectrum Labs superpowers to do good in the world? Because I firmly believe that individuals and companies have a moral obligation to leave the world a better place than how we found it. So in building Community of Seven, I really had to take my 20 years of experience being on both the agency side and the client marketer side, and also having been a CMO and having had to account manage and execute these huge campaigns for the likes of Microsoft and the US Army on the agency side, I really had to kind of bring those two together. And you know, my experience leading membership at the Association of National Advertisers, where we work with all of these huge Fortune 500 companies on marketing, it really helped me kind of figure out how I was gonna build this startup. And um, you know, when I was at the ANA, another um, opportunity that kind of was the precursor of Community 7 was I built a startup within the ANA, which is a 115-year-old organization called the CMO Master Circle, where we brought in the leading chief marketing officers in the United States. And then we launched the Global CMO Growth Council, where we brought in the leading CMOs in the world. And the goal was how do you bring these CMOs together to really enact change in the marketing ecosystem? So this kind of ties itself with Oasis, you know, the ability to bring people together to start kind of making and enacting change. So I later parlayed that knowledge of creating executive communities to see her, which is the advertising industry's gender equality movement. And I served as the general manager of that organization. Our goal was to increase positive portrayals of women and girls by 20%. So we did that by mobilizing CMOs and senior executives at broadcast companies. And one of the learnings I had was there was that we have so much power when we bring people together for a common good. So I really believe that Oasis has a potential to really create so much good in the world around brand safety. Thank you so much, Len. So Len is a founding advisor of Oasis. You know, we met at actually one of your virtual community events that yeah. was yes. right for COVID. And yeah. you see that community kept growing. And at that moment, I knew Len's this master behind putting. <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, Len went through her journey, you know, really a couple of highlights, you know, she really found it to see her like real movement, you know, to push the diversity and the inclusion through her power and networks into the CMO circle. And you know, she was the SVP of ANA and then try to build this whole circle for Fortune magazine and now really onto her own venture 
you know, through her accumulated 20 years experiencing that, that was really impressive. So Len, like, how would you, how would you summarize your superpower? You mentioned superpower all the time. I think we both yeah. believe in everybody's zone of genius and superpower. What is your superpower to actually get those powerful community members together and to do the right thing, to do the good cause? Well, I think my superpower has always been the ability to bring people together. In terms of the reason why it works is that I think at first is getting people who have that same kind of passion, purpose, and drive, really being able to identify them and being able to listen and have conversations with them so that you can really connect people. Because connecting leaders, it's really about knowing what they're passionate about and what's important to them, and then connecting them with other people who have that same passion. Right. And a lot of it is chemistry as well. And I think my superpower has always been being able to a first listen and understand what people's motivations are and what their passion points are. And then two, being able to kind of identify who would connect well with each other. Thank you. So as many of you already know, if you are the audience for the previous episodes, so Oasis is all about brand safety. So I want to do a rapid fire round, which I call Oasis rapid refresher. And then we will unpack and dive deeper into, you know, her experiences of community building and how actually she infused diversity inclusion every step forward. So to start with them, so each question will uh, take you 30 seconds, you know, to answer. (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited. So to start with, so why do you think brand safety is of growing importance today? If we don't deal with keeping the internet safe, safe of racism, sexism, misogyny, propaganda, hate groups, it's going to flourish. And quite frankly, our democracy is at stake. I know that seems kind of like a hyperbole, but I really do believe that our democracy is at stake. Our communities and families are being ripped apart because of the internet. Civility is jeopardized. And I think that's probably one of the most important reasons why brand safety is so important today. It's, it's our civilization. Thank you. Right in willing 30 seconds. <laughs> why are you personally invested in this topic? So I have a six-year-old daughter at home. I feel like I'm racing against time. Mm-hmm. What kind of world do I want my daughter to be and when she becomes a teenager and when the internet is probably going to be consuming her. I mean, if you look at the stats, kids are hurting today. If you look at suicide rates, bullying rates, you know, you have cyberbullying, online hate groups, Gamergate, the list goes on. These things all seem small and trivial when they begin, but left unchecked, they have the potential to really rip apart our entire fabric of our society and um, not to mention our kids' self-esteem. Yeah, I'll get back to that topic later. And the third question is, what do you predict would happen without some agreed-upon industry guidelines, which is what OIS is all about? Yeah, so I mentioned it above, our democracy is at stake and our community is at stake. And the analogy I give you is, you know, if you're a restaurant owner, you would never have someone come into your establishment and harass your customers why would you let them do that online? And so, you know, if we don't have these guidelines, self-regulation and whatnot, it's just going to get worse. And you're going to have like kind of these unsavory players, whether it's foreign nationals, right? Or hate groups infiltrating and basically indoctrinating our kids and doing God knows what 
to our society. Thank you so much for coming along with me on this rapid fire round. You know, two things you really mentioned in the past two questions are very spot on. Our guest of last episode is from Roblox. So a platform for kids, you know, between nine to 15 years old, 150 million users on the platform. One yeah. thing we discussed about is that true, you know, it's no longer a gaming platform. It become, it, it really becomes an educational platform. Yes. Right? And these kids are making their first friends online. Like my daughter is on Roblox and, you know, she's six. It's crazy, right? But one of the things I do want to add that I, I didn't mention earlier and why it's important in terms of what Oasis Consortium is doing is that what gets measured gets done, you know, to quote Peter Drucker. And um, I really believe that what Oasis is doing, you know, with openness and its transparency and inclusivity is so important is that if you have a metric, companies and brands can actually move towards something together. And one of the reasons, you know, taking my background when I was at CHER, the Gender Equality Initiative, the reason why it was so important was that in the very beginning, Jim Bechtold, who was a general manager at that time, and who I have tremendous respect for, and who I eventually took over for, worked with Lance uh, Mikael Linden, who was at P&G at the time, and they created the gender equality measure. And the gender equality measure quantified consumers' reactions to the portrayals of women and girls. And the reason why it was so successful was that advertisers could now link the negative portrayals of women with decreased sales right? And the positive and accurate portrayals of women with growth. So one of the lessons I learned from, from Mark Pritchard, who's a chief brand officer from P&G, is that companies need to be a force for good and a force for growth. So companies like Roblox and what you guys are doing with Spectrum Labs and, and Oasis Consortium is so important because brands are understanding that they're not just there to have a product. They actually have to be a part of society and the community. Is your product going to be a force for good? or a force for evil. It's so true. We really see the paradigm shift that, especially now we see the rise of this new C-suite called uh, Chief mm -hmm. Diversity Officer. You know, the equality becomes tied actually to revenue because it's tied to growth, it's tied to branding. And then, you know, comes to this child safety or broader safety tech. You know, my wish through Oasis is that we can actually go through the same parad paradigm shift that CMOs recognize how important it is to provide us, you know, safe and a trusted environment mm -hmm. for the users. And yeah. therefore, they can actually can drive growth and revenue. Exactly. Because it's tied together. Because when you start peeling the onion, you realize that, you know, I'll give you an example. One of the metrics we always use for see her was that 85% of purchasing decisions were made by women, mm -hmm. right? 85%. Yet when you looked at portrayals of women and girls in advertising, only 3% showed women in leadership possession. Only 2% showed women being intelligent. And only 1% showed women with a sense of humor, mm -hmm. though they made 85% of the purchasing decisions. These 85% of women are also, many of them are also mothers, making 85%, I'm going to repeat that again, purchasing decisions for their households, gaming, household items, all of these technology platforms. So how do you think these mothers are going to react to negative portrayals of women or girls or misogyny, et cetera, on the internet. They're not gonna like it. 
because yeah. I know I monitor my daughter's internet and these companies have a responsibility to be actively within the community of our democracy. And so that's conscious effort in terms of the content that we put in the world and also mm -hmm. monitoring what's on these sites because there are malicious players that are that are involved every day. Yeah. Yeah. Your, your brand, your brand has to be representative of what the real world is. Right. I think yeah. that that's definitely the case. You demonstrate it and then you put off um, through see her. And the, the stat I had for brand safety is that if you put in ad placement adjacent to toxic content, it is more than twice likely that your target consumers would abandon the journey, the consumer journey. So I believe it. I believe it. Just That's a, a great stat. Yeah. And, and you actually mentioned one of the five pillars under OSS, the O part, the openness. Um, mm -hmm openness, accountability, security, innovation, sustainability. And I think you really spend your whole career demonstrating how you actually infuse openness into all the initiatives you have done. Can you share a little bit with us, how would you define openness mm -hmm. in your career and in your background, being a CMO and advising CMOs? I mean, I think openness is just basically about complete transparency. Understanding the full kind of 360 view of your consumers, what contents you have, because right now CMOs are more aware because I think in, in around 2017, I think is when it first happened. Um, and I was still at the A&A at that time, I think with the CMO Master Circle. And I remember uh, Raja Rajmanal, who's a CMO of MasterCard, had reached out because there was an incident with MasterCard and a YouTube video. And he really wanted to understand more about brand safety, right? Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, that's strange. That's interesting. At that time in 2017, brand safety wasn't really talked about. And then it was funny because after that, then Mark Pritchard came out and then asked you know, the ANA kind of for our advice on brand safety, and then it spiraled. And then now you literally had the entire board of directors of the ANA who are the leading CMOs of these major Fortune 500 companies saying they understood the impact of brand safety. Because in, in the past, CMOs are usually kind of at this level where they're not seeing the granular details of uh, what's happening on YouTube, right? <laughs> However, when you're seeing a beheading from ISIS on a YouTube video next to your brand, then you start really, your eyes are open. And this is kind of where the transparency is so important. You know, we had issues with the walled garden, you know, with Facebook and Google, you know, YouTube, et cetera. And the CMOs realized that they needed to come together and just basically demand more transparency. And I think the key thing, and this is one of the lessons I've learned kind of on the association side and kind of working with the membership side is that there is power in numbers, right? And this is the thing, unless platforms, unless broadcast companies, unless they really work on self-regulation, we're gonna get the regulation one way or the, uh, the other and you don't want the government to come into play. So we need to really focus on self-regulation and working together, the platforms, CMOs together so that we can really combat this issue because you don't really want the government regulating this industry because they don't understand it. If you've ever seen one of those Congress meetings, it's like you do not want 
congressmen or women to kind of like regulating our industry. Yeah, I really love it. You know, taking this proactive approach before we really start to get the regulators come in. Mm-hmm. Very important that we can do not only the right thing, but do the thing in a way that we know the best. Because brands and platforms have their own priorities and constraints, mm-hmm. so you know, with you was always this is to actually bridge the chasm, actually even between these two big state ho- stakeholders to come together, work on that. Yeah, yeah. So under the pillar of openness, we have this transparency. Exactly what you are saying. You know, we we need to actually open a box just to talk about it. You know, what can be done, what cannot be done, what can be done today versus down the road, mm-hmm. so that both sides have the appreciation. Um, if you know what is achievable and what is the ideal case, and another another key uh, measure under you know this uh, pillar is uh, diversity and inclusion. Mm-hmm. You know, typical example we always talk about: if the games are designed only by the white males, how would you expect actually the the gamers from diverse groups? Mm-hmm. Being taken taken into consideration, so the safety by design or diversity by design is super important, and you have been champion for that diversity mm-hmm. inclusion. Can you tell can you tell us a little more about like how this can, this is not only just a good cause, good thing to do, but it does contribute to the, the right thing to do. exactly sustainability of of organizations you are being leading and in in working with. No, definitely. So there's many reasons you know, for the business case and diversity, but I'll highlight, I'll highlight three. Number one, your customer base is increasingly diverse and fluid. So your teams should reflect your customers and your clients. So it's important that businesses provide customers and clients with a product or service that are able to genuinely understand what they want from it, right? So if you want to be more authentic and easier for you to understand your customer and the workplace, you need to kind of have staff and diversity that looks like your customer base. It's simple, right? Diversity gives you access to a greater range of talent, not just the talent that belongs to the majority worldview. It helps to provide insights into the needs and motivation of your client and customer base, rather than just a small, tiny part of it. Number two, You want top talent. Millennials expect diversity. They demand diversity. A study by PwC found that 85% of females agreed to an employer's policy on diversity and equality, and that it was important when deciding whether to work for an employer or not. And that's diverse candidates and also white females. So you're not going to get top millennials and Gen Z employees if you don't value diversity. Number three, commitment to social responsibility. One third of consumers will choose to purchase from brands that they know are doing good socially and environmentally. Consumers care now more than ever about business transparency surrounding diversity, inclusion, and social responsibility. And diversity and inclusion are a critical way in which businesses can demonstrate that commitment to social justice. So those are just three, there's more, but what it all says is that it all points to doing good also leads to growth. Also ties into what you mentioned about see her back then, right? Because if yeah. your 
demographics is highly concentrated around women who have actually the spending power. Your brand has to represent them. And, and the same way exactly. we see the Gen Z and the millennial will, will, will be at the helm of spending power in the next generation. And they care about trust and safety. They care about inclusion. And exactly. it's very important for brands to, to consider that now. Yeah, and even in industries that, like gaming industry, these mothers are buying the video games, right? So you need to care yeah. what's being presented. You need to care if there is misogyny. You need to care if there's sexism. I mean, the Gamergate thing pissed me to no ends. You know what I mean? And it's, it was so pervasive. Yeah, I really hope the audience can see the passion. You know, <laughs> approach, building communities. Fifth mother. <laughs> it, it is really a great, great pleasure and honor to have you on this podcast and a zoom cast uh, <laughs> chat and then you know thank you for sharing you know all the secret sources um and your experience how how you actually making openness a thing every single achievement you you, you push forward do you have some other ideas and thoughts to share with our audience yeah i guess one of the big ones is that what you do matters even if it may seem small and inconsequential one of my philosophy is this raindrop philosophy. And it's that we are like raindrops. What we do seems small and inconsequential. But when we bring all these efforts together, you know, all of these raindrops become the ocean. Mm -hmm. And with the ocean, the ripples in the water create waves, right? And it's these waves that change the world. It's these movements that change the world. So what you're doing with Oasis Consortium what all of us individually are doing at our companies, right? To deal with either brand safety, gender equality, et cetera, it makes a difference. Even though it seems small, these things combined is what changes the world. So just keep on whatever you're doing, whatever your passion is. If you wanna change the world for the better, believe that what you do matters, cause it does. I really, really love that analogy. It, it's funny, it reminds me of a proverb in Chinese. I say, when you have enough raindrops or you have enough water drops, the ensemble of it cuts through the stone. Yes, I, I, yes I'm very familiar with that analogy. And I totally, I love that analogy. It's true, because we're stronger. That water, though it seems fluid and soft, yeah. it cuts through stone, right? Yeah, and then because those are the hard battles you have been fighting at Leading Oasis, I know how hard it is actually to to actually put both sides around the table mm -hmm. and open their books, willing to compromise and willing to actually understand each other, make some actionable measures happen. Uh, but hopefully the little ring job, as you mentioned, yes. can help us have an ocean, have us cut through the stone. But I think it's also helpful because... Oasis Consortium Spectrum, they have you, right? And it takes people that can bring people together to find the commonalities. And this is probably the most important thing that is so devalued is trust. Yeah. When you bring trust to the equation and when you bring good people to the table, those differences melt away because people realize that there is a bigger thing than just me. That bigger thing is leaving the world a better place for our kids. And that takes 
efforts from a lot of people, all these raindrops coming together to just really mobilize and create change. So I think what you're doing, Tiffany, is amazing. I'm so proud of you. And then also that Spectrum Labs is supporting this initiative that I think is so important. I mean, I, I really mean it when I say our democracy is at stake. We need to really fight this now because it's, it's not just about First Amendment rights and freedom of this and that. It's really about, are you going to be creating a, a place on the internet where people feel safe? Yeah. Because it's all about safety. And you mentioned earlier, what's the most important thing about community? One of the most important thing about community is creating a place where people feel safe and secure, right? Yeah. And I think we're losing the battle on the internet. Things that happen on the internet would never happen, though they are happening now, normally wouldn't happen in your neighborhood or in your schools. The things that people call each other, the, the misinformation that's posted and lies, right? Unless we are able to really deal with what's happening on the internet, it's going to impact us in the real world. This is why I am a part of Oasis Consortium, why I, I think it's so important is that by bringing people together and all these industry leaders, this is how change happens. Thank you so much. I think it is a great note to, to end this episode on. I'm so glad about having you in this community and help us shape this. Thank you so much, Len. Thank you. Thanks so much. Bye, Tiffany. Bye.